morning, guys. How's everyone? You good? Um, yeah, Happy New Year and all of that. Anyone do anything especially crazy for New Year's? You, know, you want to know what I did? It's insane. I stayed home and played games with my kids. It's pretty wild. I, in fact, I actually think I fell asleep on the couch probably like sometime between 11 and 12. So that's, that's my life. What did you do, Raquel? You probably did something like actually cool. Okay. What you, what'd you watch? You watched New Year's Eve? The movie? That's a movie? Oh, rom-com. Classic. Okay. Let's pray for our kids. We have uh, some incredible teachers downstairs ministering to the little ones. Um, have you been downstairs lately? We've kind of got this whole like underground Al-Qaeda vibe going on. It's, it's pretty sweet. Um, we're going to hang sheetrock pretty soon. <laughs> Father, it's safe. It's safe, okay? <laughs> Just, it's safe. Father, bless the little ones. Um, I pray for the, uh, the kids downstairs and the teachers, Lord, that they would have an amazing time as they learn about you, um, as they worship together, as they play games, um, do crafts, do all, all the things that little kids um, like to do, I think. Um, bless them, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians. I want to share, um, I, I'm not, I'm not going to call this a sermon. It's, it's a sermonette. I'd like to share something uh, very briefly with you. And then I want us to do something together as a family. So normally we just talk about doing stuff. And that's fine. I think it's, it's important to receive good teaching. Um, but then occasionally, when we're together like this, it's great to just simply utilize the time to actually do what we've just read about. So we're going to do that, and I'll explain what that means um, in just a minute. But let's begin with God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's just start right at the beginning. Chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, the apostle writing the letter, being led by the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Spirit of God to pen these words, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother, Sothenes, or Sothenes, co-author, as it were, of this letter. Verse two, to the church of God that is in Corinth to those sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ both their Lord and ours grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ verse 4 I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, 
even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the day when he comes again. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's Paul's introduction to the letter. From there, he immediately goes on to say, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you. And then he goes on to talk about some serious problems in the church. Some of you may recall um, what I think it was two years ago. We actually worked through the entire book of 1 Corinthians. Um, that was quite an adventure. Quite an adventure. Uh, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter. He, he started this church community, this church in Corinth, um, along with some other uh, leaders in the first century, some Christians. He went, he declared the good news about what God had done in Jesus, his victory on the cross, forgiveness of sins, his imminent return, and the hope that we have for eternal life, that we have been adopted into the family of God because who he is and what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. Good news, and people respond just as many of us have responded to that message and, and have said, I believe, I'm putting my hope in Jesus, and upsprings this community, this church in Corinth. As it turns out, this church in Corinth is arguably the most unlikely church to make it out of the first century intact. I mean, these people, uh, they had problems. They had seriously, serious problems, which is why Paul immediately cuts right to the chase and he says, look, I'm appealing to you. I'm begging you. Please, get along. Agree. In Jesus' name, center around the one and let everything else be put in its proper place. But you've called to be one in Jesus. He he saved you to be a family, divided and splintered and warring over ideologies and opinions and factions and all these different things. And, and Paul spills a lot of ink to address all of these controversies and issues and problems. And I mean, it's a pretty debauched situation. Um, the Corinthians, if you've read the letter, they're, they're rather obsessed with uh, acquiring more knowledge. It's like I get the idea they're the kind of church where they all show up with like their latest, you know, uh, quote unquote research or the, their YouTube video or their talking head and they're kind of, and they're coming at each other with, well, so-and-so said this, well, so-and-so said this. And they're all sort of choosing their camps and going like hyper-tribal. Who'd like to be a part of that church? They're the kind of church that are obsessed with... Um, Signs and wonders, miracles. Apparently, they're not only a very um, intellectual bunch, um, but it would seem a whole group of the Corinthians are also really into the charismatic stuff. I mean, it is all about tongues, 
prophetic words, and which Paul doesn't critique, but he does talk quite strongly about their attitude as they go about utilizing these gifts and, and, and the way they're, they're using them without love. And you could argue that the real climax of the letter once you get to 1 Corinthians 13 is Paul's call to love. He reminds them that there's really nothing more important um, to being a church than giving and receiving God's love. Just as we have all freely received it in Christ Jesus. And on and on and on. He talks about all this stuff. It's it's, It's a bad, bad situation. But here's what I want us to zoom in on now. It's how he begins the letter. He says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you have been enriched in him in speech, in power, Etc., etc. You're not lacking any gift. He begins by celebrating the grace of God that is at work in this really messy church family. He begins by affirming the good work that God has already begun despite all of the issues, all of the controversy, all of the division, all of the the selfishness and all of the confusion. He begins by affirming the work that God has started and he says, I'm convinced that the one who started it's going to finish it. He will sustain you until he returns again. He affirms the grace of God at work in this really difficult situation. This is how the letter begins. This is how we should begin every day. This is how we should begin every week. This is how we should be, this is how we should begin the year 2021. This is my point. This is my point. We could look back at 2020 and just like, thank God it's over. And we could obsess over all of the things that went wrong. And you know what? Last week we talked about the importance of mourning well. If you were here, if you caught that one, I I went to great lengths to to insist that actually to grieve well is, is godly. It's biblical. And there's a healthy way that the Bible models for us to do that. Super important. So it's important to... Be honest about the things that we've, that, that we've suffered, the, the loss that we've experienced, the grief that we're processing. But to do it in hope, in anticipation that God is faithful and he is the master of redemption. He doesn't just stand back aloof watching his kids squirm like I do sometimes with my kids. I'm sorry, kids are so amusing. <laughs> To see the things they freak out about. I don't think God does that. God is not amused at our suffering. Fully engaged. Ready, able, willing, happy to actually enter into our brokenness. And make beautiful things out of broken stuff. 
i.e. our lives, our world. And that's important. But as we begin the new year, I would insist that it's equally important that we start as Paul has started. Not focusing on everything that's gone wrong, not focusing on all the challenges of head, ahead. Because Paul, I mean, he addresses the challenges head on. He, he, kinda, he, he takes the Corinthians to, to task. He doesn't hold back because he, he loves these people. But he begins by affirming the grace that's already at work in this people that Jesus has called to himself. I'd like us to begin, as a church family, I'd like us to begin the year that way. Are you guys with me? Uh, Casey Crane. We uh, mostly are, I'll give you most of the credit. We talked about this a couple months ago. And we said, you know, it would really be amazing to either end the year or begin the year. One of those Sundays, just reflecting on what has God been doing in like people's lives this year? What are the stories? What, even as a church community, what are some of like the big, big things that we can celebrate um, and affirm how God's grace is so much more sufficient than our shortcomings? How God's grace is in fact at work and he will sustain us and he will continue the work that he has started and we have every reason in the world to celebrate God's goodness in his church in our lives for this year and the year to come. What could we talk about? What stories could we tell? What if I were to open the floor and say, hey, if you had maybe five minutes to think about it, what could you say about God's grace at work in your life this past year. I'm not saying let, let's all get sort of naively optimistic and just pretend like everything's great and, and now that we're in 2021, like all of the challenges have just magically gone away. I'm not saying that. I'm saying in the midst of all of that, where can we step back and say, but there's God's grace right there. We have reason to hope that the one who started something is going to finish it. What would you say? Can you think of one or two things that God has done in your life this year? Maybe a single instance that you can point out be like, that's God's grace right there. <laughs> right in the middle of all the, the junk right in the middle of all of my anxiety, right in the middle of all of my poor decisions, even, God, my sin. There's God's grace at work right there. There's cause for celebration. What would you say? So I want to share um, some of the things Casey and I came up with. Some of the stuff you, you've probably already, already heard us like talk about before. But I want to just share these things with you. And then when I'm done, I'm going to open the floor. And, uh, and I want you to just, you don't have to come up and get on the mic. Maybe you could turn around and project for everyone to hear you. And just simply say, here's God's grace at work in my life this year. You guys with me? So think about it. Otherwise, we're just going to have one really long, awkward, silent moment. So here we go. First of all, 
of course, we've said, I, I, I'm starting to feel a little bit like we mustn't like overdo it. We don't want to talk about it too much because this, this building is an absolute work of God's grace. Honestly, I don't, I don't think it can be said enough. Um, I could tell you story after story after story of, uh, of how this came about. Even just this morning, I met a, met a uh, Glenn White, elderly uh, black gentleman standing out front here smoking a cigarette, connected with him, had a great conversation. And he, he seemed like, Caleb, you, you can attest you were there, but he was like, he seemed genuinely excited that there was a church meeting in this place. And he said, oh, I know Pastor Roy and this and that. And, and brother, welcome to the neighborhood was the last thing he said. There's like so much history, so many lives. Our sister sitting in the back here whose grandfather helped design and build these pews. There are so many families, so much history. Whether it's the German congregation that built this building from scratch to the, the handful of different black congregations that ended up using this space in more recent decades to here we are now, every nation, a different church family come together to continue to be a part of the work that Jesus is still doing in this little building. You know how many people have come uh, across this little building, popped their head in and said, what are you doing with this building? And I'm like, what do you mean? What do you know what I say? I'm so awkward. I say, we're going to worship Jesus in this building. You want to come? Oh, good for you. <laughs> but I get a feeling that a lot of people are like kind of shocked. Like, oh, okay, that's different. I thought for sure you would just tear it down. I found out what they're doing across the street here. Uh, the big sort of building that's been vacant for like a year. It's going to be a marijuana dispensary with like a giant warehouse. So I met the previous owner and he told me. And uh, I'm like, praise God. Like that's perfect. Just, just right across the street. We'll just connect with him. Just, it's amazing. I love it. That's right. That's right. Some of you think like, what are you, what are you saying about marijuana? Let's not get controversial, all right? <laughs> Let's just keep it, keep it on grace. We'll talk. We'll talk. Some, someday we'll talk about that. Not now, though. So we bought a building. Okay. So what, what, we, we raised a lot of money. If you were around, we were trying to raise 70K. We had like a month or something to raise 70K for the down payment on this building. We ended up raising like 80K in like almost just two weeks. It was pretty, it was just stupid. Like it was like, okay, Lord, I get it. Okay, you're, you're making this happen. Okay, just help us not to like blow it. Help us to steward this place well. Um, but that was a bit of a miracle in my mind. Um, last year, the plan was to continue, like sort of like launch into a full-blown capital giving campaign. Let's renovate the building. Let's keep giving. Like really, like a big vision to actually renovate this thing properly, which obviously would take a lot of money. And then COVID happened, and it seemed pretty like just obvious. Okay, let, let's sort of like, let's, let's not do that this year. This is probably not the time to do a major capital giving campaign when people are like, you know, uncertain about their employment and, and whatnot. So we just kind of, we, we, we stepped back from that. 
and people continue to give. And so we, we were able to do a whole, whole lot by the grace of God. Um, despite all of the various lockdowns and our sincere desire to really honor people well, um, to make sure that we were respecting uh, the various health concerns given the pandemic. You all know what I'm talking about, the controversy of like how different people are reacting to the fear of getting sick, the fear of losing a loved one. It's an interesting phenomenon how, how our different temperaments kind of come to the fore and we all respond in some different ways and how the tension levels really begin to rise in the midst of all of that. As a church, our desire has always been to, to, to navigate that tension with wisdom, with love, and with, with real uh, faith. Those are the three words. Wisdom, faith, and love. Practical wisdom, faith that Jesus, this is not his first rodeo. Okay, he's, done, he's dealt with pandemics before. And love, that we would make sure that I don't sort of use my quote-unquote rights to trample over the conscience of a brother or sister. And as we've navigated that tension, we've continued to gather. We had sidewalk services, which were quite a hoot. Quite a few different people, actually just from the neighborhood, walked on by, stopped, joined in. Oh yeah, we got pictures, I forgot. There we are on the sidewalk, worshiping Jesus in the open air. Proclaiming the gospel, connecting with people in the neighborhood. Top left-hand corner there is, uh, we were sitting outside, handing out uh, little church postcards around Easter time. We called it curbside grace. Um, Some of you got a postcard or perhaps two in the mail from that little thing we did. Um, We had some amazing guest speakers. I think that's something we're celebrating as well. I know you guys get sick of hearing from me, so I do my best to bring in some really, um, yeah, some people who love Jesus and I think who are gifted to, to communicate God's word. Um, and that was very special. We had our first service here. Ironically, we were supposed to have our very last service at the Fremont building was supposed to be a baptism service uh, where we had some, a couple of people who were ready to get baptized. And then we had to cancel that. But then our very first service in this building, we had someone get baptized, someone who'd come to faith um, during the pandemic um, in our horse trough right here. And I just thought that was the most amazing way to begin um, yeah, this, this chapter in our life as a church, in this building, celebrating new life in Jesus. And we did that. We prayed for our kids downstairs. Uh, at one point, I would say our kids' ministry was, it, it was, it was flourishing. We had a small army of teachers and volunteers who were helping to, to run our kids' ministry on a Sunday. Um, for obvious reasons, we've kind of shrunk down to just basically the Callaways, um, the Bardonis, and Tatiana's, and uh, a few others. I know Janina and John, you guys are, are here. Got your kids with you. Oh, there's Janina. Hello. So we still have a handful of little ones scurrying about. Um, 
But the cool thing is that we've continued to minister to families and their kids all throughout. We had a small team of people immediately just take the initiative and start making videos. Um, Grace Graber spearheaded our kids' worship ministry. No one asked her to do it. These just videos started appearing online. Um, There's no better feeling as a father than to walk into the living room watching your kids worship Jesus because of a video that someone made and put it online. Absolutely amazing. So we did that. Um, we also have a new Kid City director. We made the announcement a couple of weeks ago. Megan, can you give us a little wave? Yeah. And that's exciting. That's the work of God's grace. Um, some of you have been asking about small groups. When, when will our ecclesias start back up? Um, soon, very soon actually. After our week of prayer and fasting is when we'll begin to sort of launch ecclesias. We have some new ideas. We have some, some ideas of how we can relaunch our ecclesias in a way that I think is going to empower more leaders to sort of lean into their gifts and do some of the things, lead some small groups in the way that they're most passionate about. So we want to kind of broaden the, the scope a little bit. So we'll have good old-fashioned Bible studies going. We'll have some book clubs going. We'll have some just more like topical types of groups happening, still all centered around Jesus, but with a lot of room for people to be able to gather in some, some unique ways and really just open open. Um, the door wider for leaders to, to really lead in, in their passions and their giftings. I'm very, very excited about that. Um, but we ended last year with some fantastic online ecclesias. Eventually, I think we were all just exhausted from the Zoom situation. Um, but God's grace was, was more than enough uh, for the challenge. And so I think that's worth celebrating as well. Over the summer, guys... Um, we all know that with the riots and the talks to do with racial justice or injustice, people of color, all of the various conversations happening throughout churches, throughout the city, throughout um, government. I mean, you want to talk about like tense times. Guys, this is, this is, I've been a full-time vocational minister for almost 20 years now, and this has been one of the most challenging years in ministry of my pastoral life. I mean, it, it was just hard. My heart broke several times over, um, just walking with people through very, very painful uh, things. People uh, sort of getting in touch with trauma that they had experienced due to racial injustice that they were on the receiving end of, like actually getting in touch with that and then trying to navigate through these things in an extremely volatile environment and like trying to be a church that was being compassionate to walk with hurting people, to listen really, really well, to grow in empathy to seek understanding, but while also holding to biblical truth and not allowing the, the vision of the church to be hijacked by identity politics or some other agenda that truly isn't centered around Jesus. Guys, that was like insanely hard. 
And I don't know if anyone, myself included, that like did it perfectly. But God's grace was more than enough. Guys, I could, I could re, re, it's very, very sensitive, so I would be hesitant to, to use names or details, but I have relationships that have deepened in humility, that have deepened in respect, that have deepened in grace because of trials that we have walked through together. Relationships have been tested. And we've come out having a greater realization of how we need Jesus at the core of our lives. And that's a gift. That's a reason for rejoicing in trials. During that time, guys, this is something we're celebrating as well. Uh, Several of us here in this room thought if there's one thing that we probably can't do wrong is to pray and worship Jesus more. May not understand all the politics, may not know the language, may not know exactly how to respond in this situation or this situation or the other, but for sure, if I'm worshiping Jesus and praying, like that, I can't get that wrong. And so a whole group of us um, started having prayer vigils um, out in the public here in this building. We partnered with 24-7 Prayer Movement, um, which is a fantastic uh, prayer ministry started by Pete Grieg uh, several years ago. If you've never read God on Mute, write it down, go buy it, go read it. If, you ever, if you've ever been in a season of suffering and it feels like God is silent... That's a book for you. But he started a ministry, a prayer movement out of a season in, in his life. We, we partnered with 24-7 Prayer to make sure that we, will, we were prioritizing prayer during a season when it felt like there was very little in way of like pat answers. And we got through it. And that's something we're celebrating not only did we get through it, I feel like as a church, we were challenged to grow. Oh, and by the way, Shirley and I were talking about this stuff last night. Guys, <laughs> I don't think God has done growing us. I want us to um, be the kind of church in 2021 that doesn't shy away from the difficult, potentially controversial issues that arise in, in our city, in our culture, Um, that's all around us. I never, ever, ever ever want us to be the kind of church that says, ooh, that's too sensitive, that's too hard, that's too dangerous. I don't know if God's grace is sufficient to help us navigate that controversy, so maybe we just better not talk about it. Nah, that's, I don't want to be that church. If someone's hurting, if there's a hopeless situation before us, whether it's in our church or in the city that we're called to serve and bear witness to, I want us to fully engage because God's grace is sufficient, always. We don't have to fear the hard conversations. I hope that in future seasons, we can learn to do it better. I feel like uh, I made a lot of mistakes this past year. I think a few of you did as well, if if I can simply say. And I think God's growing us. By God's grace, um, we are maturing 
in Jesus. And we can do it better as we continue to bear with one another, grow in humility, patience, learning to walk out grace as brothers and sisters, even when the conversations get hard. You guys with me? So I already said uh, we saw one sister come to faith and get baptized in the building. Um, But way of outreach, we also successfully got a little community pantry off the ground. Still use it multiple times during the week. There's literally not a week that goes by that I'm not down in that basement filling up a grocery bag with food. It's really good food. You know how many times I've been tempted to dip into the beef jerky stash? (laughs) Pray for me. Pray for me. I have yet to transgress. Filling up a grocery bag, listening to the story, then praying, sharing Jesus. Be like, here's some, some food, enjoy the beef jerky, but have you heard the good news? Do you know what you're really looking for? And I pray, and others of you do as well. We've got to, and the community pantry is going to keep growing by the grace of God. Super exciting. Campus ministry, a couple more, guys. This year we welcomed a new campus intern, Nathan Walker. Are you in the house? Woo! We'll talk about a, a brother who walks in grace. Nathan, welcome aboard. He joined our campus team with Lily and Paul Komodo. And uh, their, their effort this week was shifted towards one-to-one discipleship. When campuses closed down, and there was no longer the sort of the crowd, as, as it were, to sort of engage with. It went to good old-fashioned, one-to-one evangelism and discipleship. And that's what they focused on this year. We worshipped. We had some amazing outdoor worship sessions, as I mentioned. Um, Hannah had the amazing idea, and this is actually the last one, and I'm going to open it up to, the, to you guys, uh, to use the, the, the medium of video to allow other people use their unique gifts to worship Jesus. Some of you guys saw the videos, right? Dancing, uh, floral arrangement. What were some of the other ones? Uh, Painting, Raya's painting. Absolutely phenomenal. It was one of my favorite ones. Um, There's some like really cool creative ways that God has gifted people to express like his grace at work in their lives. And it's, it's a way of, of worshiping. Um, and that was, that was cool. That was like one of the highlights of the summer for me. It was a fantastic idea. What can you guys say in way of God's grace this year in your life? This has been good. It's been good for me. I know it's a little different. Um, but like I said... We read the scriptures, there's truth, we learn, we meditate, and then we go out, we ask God to help us, grace to um, apply, to obey what he's taught us, what he's told us to do. Occasionally it's good just to kind of do it here, like a family. Let's, let's celebrate God's grace. Let's express our thankfulness for the one who sustains us. Let's reflect on how faithful he's been, even in the midst of trials. 
it sets us on a, tra a trajectory of gratitude. As we enter into 2021, we're not just like, oh, good riddance. We're like, we're, we're entering into the new season with hearts full of gratitude, rejoicing, thanking God for all of his goodness. He's such a merciful king because he doesn't owe us anything. That's grace. He owes us nothing. He gives us so much, so much. Amen. Can we stand together? We're going to end in a song of worship. And some of you might have a little, uh, little something, you know what I'm talking about. Have that ready. You're now listening to Grace City Portland 103.5.